Okay, welcome listeners to another episode of Stargazing, uh, and that's me, Calvin Reed, senior news editor, publishers weekly, co-editor of, uh, the, uh, the Fanatic, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter, and of course here on the podcast, they co-host. But we do Stargazing, uh, from time to time with Meg Nimke, PW's graphic novels reviews editor. How you doing, Meg? Hi, Kevin. So great to talk to you. I like that we've just defined it now as time to time. That's accurate. Yeah. Well, we, sometimes we, we don't hit our schedule About as, once as uh, carefully, as conscientiously as possible. But yes, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to improve that in the future. Um, but so what, yeah. So tell our listeners about Stargazing and tell us what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so I'm the graphic novel reviews editor, which means that I have the privilege and duty of selecting titles that come into Publishers Weekly for review in the comics and graphic novel adult trade section. And then as reviewers review them, if they think a book is just stellar, literally stellar, uh, hits wonderful storytelling and artistic levels, they'll recommend it for a star review. And if I agree, we give it a star designation in the magazine, and that gives a tip to booksellers, all of our other readers and the consumers that this is a title really worth paying attention to, a notable title coming out. Um, often it could be a debut or it could be a title from someone who's really well established. And we have two to talk about. So of those stars, there's some that Calvin and I pick to gab about. And um, the first is from Fantagraphics and it's Men I Trust by Tommy Parrish. And this is out in November, so by the time this airs, you could be purchasing it. And this book sold out at uh, SPX, actually. It was one of the first. Yeah, no, I heard it was definitely, there was buzz about it. Mm-hmm. And Tommy's first book won a Lambda. Their first book was called The Lie and How We Told It. And my expectations for this book, which I found met by its execution, were that this was their, more of their breakout work in terms of its narrative um being a little more approachable, you know, their work remains experimental in artistic style, but this really has a narrative that you can sink your teeth into and ponder over. And it is a story of two women and their unusual friendship. You know, one is a poet and his single mother who's sober and dealing with the you know, difficulties of that experience and kind of getting through their time, um, the relationship with their son. There's some incredibly moving sections about the, just the strain of being a single mom and the relationship with their co-parent, their ex and their poet. And this other young woman, Sasha, who's in their twenties is younger is a fan and becomes obsessed or attached, you know, uh, to the poet. And really it's about the struggle of letting people in, uh, opening up and sometimes the repercussions of the fast friendships that can happen in the arts world. Yeah, um, that's a really good summation. I mean, I did not read her earlier book that really also got an enormous, excuse me, their earlier book. Yeah, their book. Excuse they me, them. their earlier book, uh, which also got an enormous amount of attention and buzz, The Lie and How We Told It. Um, uh, I have not read it, but it, I was very impressed with this work. Uh, it really, um, uh, you know, it really reveals, um, as you said, I mean, the life of a single parent, parent uh, single mother. Uh, and, uh, I guess you would call it the, the, the atmosphere of frustration and demands, uh, and the need for friendship, the need for some, uh, relationship on a physical or, or emotional level. 
uh, and whether people can get it. And I mean, that's on one side of the equation. On the other side of the equation, there are, you know, kind of people who are sort of uh, seem to be consistently challenged simply by to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, good people who who simply seem um, for all kinds of reasons um, uh, who out of sorts, out of whack with um the world around him and uh you know in this instance the books sort of bring brings these two people together uh for uh, a series of awkward um discoveries by the reader i guess that's i guess that's one way to put it without giving a spoiler yeah it's you know Sa- sasha who is the 20 something character who has this fixation on eliza um is sometimes a sex worker, lives with her, her parents, is struggling with emotional and mental issues, and it kind of comes up in the relationship with her parents. And she is doing what I think a lot of people would be counseled to do, to find allies, to find new people to meet, people who inspire her, and that is Eliza. And Eliza, on the other side, is trying to set up boundaries and I think they've that you know she's been counseled to that so we're, what if someone was these women's friends you would say like you're someone who needs boundaries right now you're trying to protect yourself and your son but also having another friendship having a female friendship is something important and they're trying to play this dance around it and it really gets to a breaking point that is a surprise is disappointing but also there's a turn to in some ways I'm going to reify what it means to have set boundaries and what it means to sometimes still have those broken and find yourself again. And I found it, it has a novella structure. It's not, um, it's not short for a comic. It's 208 pages. So it's a fulsome length, but it has to me a novella structure. It's almost like an extended short story in a way that I found really, um, or short film that I found really pleasing to be able to come into this world and spend some time there and leave with a lot of questions still. Like it's, a, it's, it's as unresolved as life is um and we have to talk about the art because that's what makes tommy's work so unusual they have a they have a painterly style they create these awkward bodies with small heads on um sort of large unwieldy bodies and they play with color quite a bit yes um the work is just unusual looking and yet I think that there's something very intuitive about it and we have an interview with Tommy actually and I really appreciated Tommy speaking to um I believe Rob Kirby it's up on on Publishers Weekly and Tommy essentially says like I've always had trouble with um you know perspective with bodies and and then it sort of works like they leaned into that challenge for themselves as an artist um, and talked about the freedom of painting comics and how that helped them sort of, I think I thought when I read the interview of how, you know, I have kids who are younger and are learning to write longer essays. My daughter's 11 and they'll say to them, like, just put the words down on the page. Like, don't worry about your spelling to start. Now we're kind of worrying about the spelling, but you know, just sort of start, put the words on the page and the way that painting allows that where you can just sort of put the colors and put the shapes down and the story comes out. And I really loved that idea that that, that the medium um, allowed to the storytelling to flow. Yeah, I mean it's very interesting. The drawings are really, really, really powerful. It's funny. Uh, the the drawings are, are anatomically sort of awkward. They're mm-hmm. expressive. <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
uh, but she has a great she has a great feel for the emotional like um, I don't have the, the emotional symbolism of figuration. I mean, she really does. Uh, Just to uh, correct the pronouns, to say them. Uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. They, they, they my apologies. Uh, they have a, a a very good feel for the emotional symbolism of how the body functions uh, uh, uh throughout this book uh the, the two women uh are seen sitting and standing and walking in positions that really kind of tell us much about how they relate to each other as you know the the actual narrative did and it's very involving and engaging so the art is very powerful even though it isn't uh, like naturalistic in any way, but it's also very emotional. It really connects and it really carries the story along. So it's very effective. Uh, particularly, I think later in, the, uh, uh, the book where there, there's a small betrayal, mm. uh, uh, and the, and the characters have to like, re- have to circle around that and decide what, uh, you know, I think particularly Elisa has to decide where, what is the nature of this, this, uh, relationship that I, that I seem to have fallen into? So, um, uh, you know, Tommy does a really, I think, amazing job of just creating, uh, you know, um, a, a set of our uh, emotional architecture around these two and carrying it through to, you know, and we'll, we'll let the readers decide to, uh, can decide for themselves, uh, the nature of the outcome of this. Hmm. Um, I wanted to just mention in our Q&A, Tell Me also speaks about the character of Eliza being inspired by their own mother. Hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting angle into it as well, that there's a perspective back on the struggles of a single parent and the kinds of things they need in some ways, you know, imagining like a nightlife in some ways for for yeah. your own single mom. And I thought that was sort of really a lovely creative impulse well, the as scenes, well. The scenes between Eliza and, and, um, uh, her, her son, son. Mm-hmm. and the challenges, I, I'm sure you could speak to that better than I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, there's I, scenes I, of, I cried. There was some crying. Yeah. <laughs> there are scenes of, of, you know, Exasperation, but there's also scenes of incredible tenderness, uh, 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 from the, uh, from the child as well as the mom. So it's just, uh, it's just a, the story just has a, a lot of nuance throughout it. Um, uh, you know, as, uh, Tommy has created this, this world around these two women. Uh, and I, and I should, we, I think we should also mention, uh, that, you know, Sasha has a lot of issues. In, in some ways, parental issues as well. So that's just another aspect. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, some of the stuff with the parents for Sasha, and, and Tommy speaks about this in the interview with Rob, also um, are there to show class differences. So Sasha has is living with their parents and clearly has a wealthier, just from the visuals in yeah. the story, a wealthier situation. Like they have a stability. And so Sasha clearly doesn't quite understand what it's like to be in Eliza's situation. And I think Tommy said, you know, um, there are a lot of otherwise sweet people, this is a quote from the interview, who haven't experienced what it's like being without simple resources. And I thought that was a very empathetic yes. way to speak to something that Tommy obviously has some knowledge of, like that 
blank or that that lack of empathy in someone else uh, or coming from someone else about class differences. Um, so there's just a, a lot under the surface of this book too. There's a lot to unpack. And then again, I think, and I really want to promote this book on the podcast because the their prior work was very critically you know, um, acclaimed, we use acclaimed a lot, but it was recognized and won the Lambda graphic novel award. It was a debut book, mm-hmm. got a lot of attention. I think it was really admirable and a lovely work, but it, it, it was less, um, doesn't have the narrative hook that this work does, which is very much like a beautiful short story and you can enter into it. It's very accessible. I want to say for somebody who hasn't more experimental style, whose comics don't look quite like comics people are familiar with, mm-hmm. you can absolutely pick this up and just fall in reading it. Yeah. So I really think it has broad appeal to anybody listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> Then, How do you go? You have the Calvin and Meg seal of approval. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Fanographics out in November. Love and it. And then we, we're going to pick up with a book that's out now in September. So uh, this is October now that we're recording, but it just came out in September. Um, it's called Giantess and it's from Magnetic. Uh, we have not, I don't think, featured a Magnetic book before on the podcast with me at least. And it's a French work translated um, by uh, translator Dan Christensen, and the creators are J.C. Deveni and Nuria Tamarit. And, or, and Nuria has another work actually coming out. I just heard in the spring, so that's a little tip to keep in mind. This is uh, the debut work from these two creators in English in America. Um, it's an English-language debut, luminously drawn feminist fairy tale, per our review. It has this really gorgeous adult picture book feel um, in that the art is quite reminiscent of Tommy DePaolo, Paola, sorry. And uh, also I felt a little bit like Kate Beaton, actually. No, we just, I just immersed myself in Kate Beaton's recent book and there's that yeah. sort of, you know, Kate's probably also a little inspired by Tommy DePaolo. Um, but sophisticated, lots of messages. It's an extended buildings roman, you know, coming of age story to not skip the lead. It's all about a giantess, a, a a baby is found in the forest, a huge redheaded baby by a, um, a couple who are, you know, sort of simple farmers who mm-hmm. have, I don't know, some pack of boys. They have like six boys and this is a girl and the family's wanted a girl. And it's this beautiful thing where they're like, we're going to keep this giant baby. And as she grows up among all her younger brothers, there's this dynamic where she's the baby of the family. She's a little sister, but physically she's huge. Right. <laughs> yeah, and the whole, <laughs> the whole work plays on this conceit that she's in a society that has, you know, it's a imagined magical uh, medievalist, period society where there's all these constraints on womanhood and yet, and she's, and she's living within and under them and they're um, reinforced by her and reified by her, by her family, by the societal structure. And yet she is so large that she can overpower anyone and repeatedly like she's attacked or things are flung at her and she, she sort of can just brush them away. And yet all of the societal structures still manage in various circumstances to oppress her. Um, there's actually a fantastic scene where she's tied up at one point um, and she's undergoing an interrogation uh, in a court. And then she just at some point is like, forget this. And she just pulls down her arms because she's a giant. She can do that. <laughs> yes. 
And there's just moments like that that are that are really fantastic where it plays on the the fairy tale aspect of um, subverting societal norms um, and this concept of being literally larger than life. Um, and she has all these adventures. I mean, we say in the review, you know, she's displayed for money by a scheming peddler, romance by a kindly white knight and a troubled acrobat, imprisoned in a dungeon with other non-conforming women, you know, because we're different, sweetheart. One of them says to her, she's educated by a witch, married to a king. It goes on and on. There's this yeah. sort of lovely, like every she dips into almost every fantasy storyline. Um, and it's just, the art's really charming. There's some sort of love and sex stuff, but it's pretty uh, mild. So also uh, it could really be seen as an easy YA, even middle grade work, yeah. I think. But uh, so it has an all ages feel, but it is published for adults. Yeah. And I, you know, I think we should also mention that uh, it, it has a subtitle too. You know, yes. the story of the girl who traveled the world in search of freedom. Right. So, I mean, the, uh, just to add on to your your own, um, re, you know, response to this wonderful book, I mean, it, 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 once you get past the the elegance and beauty of the illustrations, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the sort of inspiration, inspirationally rambling narrative and plot which is right straight out of a out of a out of a fairy tale this book has this really powerful conceptual heart uh i mean it's called a feminist fairy tale and i think you can say that in the very best sense of what that may mean because it it, it it's sort of her her life uh functions as this great storytelling plot, but also this incredible idea, this giant idea mm -hmm. of, a, of, of a woman making her own choices throughout all of these incredible adventures that she finds herself on. Um, it's, it's sort of, you know, this, this suppressed theme that, that who would, it just, as you mentioned in the court, uh, is sometimes forced out and you see the power of it, you know, in the real world. Uh, and as you said, the, the, the giantess, she's, she's on this, she's on a quest in, in, in a, a classic fairy tale, um, mode. Uh, and she's on a journey and she acquires experience and ultimately the, the wisdom to know how to use the, her powers to the best, uh, to the best end. And it really is, um, this history of female oppression, uh, at the same, time that is this this wonderful tribute uh to the power of of women to basically to endure uh no matter what i think that um there's also a lot of really lovely funny moments they the artist plays with the uh the slapstick nature of this larger figure in the world in a beautiful way there's great um play about the little Lovers and the large yes, figure. The, yes, the giant, you know, sexy, sort of, um, you know, uh, hero of our heroine of our book. Yes, right. I mean, she's drawn like a bit like a large doll. Like it's not, it's yeah. not a um, pinup. Like we were, we were discussing earlier. This sort of, you do sometimes get a lot of French translated work that has a very pinup feel with female characters. This is a very kind of beautifully and that's impressive. Uh, like Tell that's impressive too, because a lot of mm -hmm. European, as you mentioned, they they do come off a bit uh, as pinups, um, 
trying to trying to disguise himself. Well, this is a, a female artist. So this and this really is very different, it. and because she uses nudity uh, and sex throughout the book, but it's really uh, has more charm than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a really charming sense of uh, there's yeah there's quite a bit of nudity. They're always swimming. There's a lot of water. There's actually a lot of water and sky. Yeah. There's big splash pages of water and sky that I found really enchanting, and I really had that sense of losing myself in a fantasy, um, sort of in the same way that Miyazaki does as well in in film and manga. Um, it's just light in that way. And then there's darker, you know, she joins like a female separatist colony at one point, and then you see the structural issues that come with segregation of of sexes and genders. And there's there's a way that definitely there's a kind of a thought experiment here of this book, which is again, very classic with fairy tales of entering all these different circumstances, having different opponents who represent some aspect of um, masculinity or power and how she confronts them. And then, you know, repeatedly this concept of like, what is it about women that, um, inspires the desire to oppress them essentially yes. in all different aspects, you know, from her parents who it's fear for her and her safety that has a very strong pull and her traditionalist where they don't want her to leave. And here's why and all her brothers leave um, until she eventually does from this magistrate who just like truly hates women and believes they're witches and believes there's a connection with witches. And then she literally escapes with a real witch. Uh, I don't want to give too many away, but there's all these <laughs> different aspects and then she has these different lovers who also represent different aspects of like the, the, the noble knight who doesn't understand like a sexual appeal, who just sees her as um, untouchable, that sort of con- that sort of pure romanticist comment. She has sort of the troubled artist. She has the prince who can't get out under the thumb of his mother. She has like the, each scene, each segment explores these different aspects of, um, the concept of womanhood and like confronting masculinity and then all throughout played in part for laughs or for provoking of thoughts is the uh, fact that she's physically uh, dominant, you know? Yeah. So there's this way in which she's this very sort of sweet, that she's a very sweet demeanor and way, but she doesn't have what this concept of the weaker sex, right? So there's no idea of like, she, she doesn't need to be protected because she's enormous and she can just fling people around and she accidentally will like break a building down by stepping on it. So there's this, um, there's this real play on that, uh, breaking of ideas that people, and the, that the men can't quite get at first that like, yes. Oh, she's not, she doesn't need my protection. She is a giant. But you know that, but throughout the book, and I think as you, as, uh, the reader reaches the, the, the ending of the story, mm-hmm. uh, you see the results of her constant search for, uh, a vision of an equitable world between right. men and women. Right. Uh, that's nurturing, that's supportive, that's driven by knowledge and, uh, and in a co- collective sense of well-being. Uh, and ambitions for the future. Uh, it's a, it's, it's in its own way, perhaps a fantasy, but it's an, an incredibly satisfying and engaging, uh, um, uh, vector that powers this book. Yeah, it is definitely in the end a fairy tale, the happy ending. And I think pairing this with Tommy's work, which is, which leaves a lot of questions, which is unsettling and troubling in many ways, there's a sense of this as, 
a pleasurable read of a, a lovely fairy tale. And that's something that I think people look for. I think I tend to often really want a book that leaves you unsettled, but this one has a satisfying arc. And I think that's something that, that many, that many readers of fairy tale and fantasy like, you know, they like things that have a, an ending that actually has a vision of a world that may not be ever achieved in our world, but that's why it's, achievable in fantasy. But and, and I tell you, one reason this book is so satisfying, even though if you could say that, yes, it is a happy ending, but you know, you go methodically through right. and a really extraordinary journey of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is not a a short book. Uh, and so you, you get a really rich narrative experience that, yes, is based on fairy tales, but is also kind of based on on this sense of moving through the world and what you will encounter and how these encounters will leave you at the end. Lots of beautiful world building too, just really gorgeous Absolutely, backdrops. Yeah. Um, the color is really beautiful. I, you know, I hope that people pick this up. I could see it becoming, I, well, a reviewer, I'll just read from the review. It, this labor of love has an instant classic feel and deserves to be treasured. And I get that sense of it. It sure. feels like a title that is a, a kind of classic and something you could really give to, particularly I could see it being given to teens to get a sense of um, here's something to treasure and to kind of fall into this world. Yeah. Uh, here, here. <laughs> so, yeah, one of my favorites. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon about more stars. Yeah. So great. Um, so what are those two books again that we just talked about? Giantess by J.C. Devinney and Nuria Tamarit, translated from the French by Dan Christensen, out from Magnetic. And that's out in September, so it's available. And Men I Trust from Tommy Parrish from Fantagraphics. And that is out in November, so it's coming out. Okay, shortly, go. but I think, you know, they had copies at SBX or if you're at a comic show today. Well, it's, it's right, the 28th. So. It'll be, it'll be out like in a week. So run out and get your copy now. Nice. All right. Okay, Meg, this was fun. Great books. Thanks, Calvin.